Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast. My name is Jill Schild, and I am here to provide a place for people to hear the stories of ordinary, everyday Christ followers. This is a platform meant to declare the greatness of our extraordinary God who calls people out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Hi friends, today we're going to share Stephanie's story with you. My heart felt like it was going to stop a few times as I was listening to Stephanie share her story. She grew up in an atheistic home with a neglectful drug-addicted family and mocked God for the early part of her life. In a turn of events, she got trapped in a horrible, abusive relationship with her husband who forced her to read the Bible every day, but twisted the words of it out of context to enslave her. A surprising concussion shook her out of believing the lies that her husband was her only hope. And she shares how she woke up to the beautiful gospel message that she could be free and loved always forever. From all appearances, you would never know that Stephanie carried such a past with her, and I am so grateful that she courageously shares her painful story on this podcast. Stephanie, welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Um, I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your story and let me interview you. Of course. Yeah. So first question, Stephanie, I would love for you to tell us um, what was your exposure to God, the Bible, Jesus when you were young? I didn't have any kind of exposure, really. Um, it was more of a mythical, this person somewhere is kind of judging us and, you know, using it as kind of a tool, I guess. So I grew up in a very atheist household um where it was just if we talked about god it was more of a mocking kind of thing like oh people that believe in god are kind of weird or they need god to satisfy them or something like that so just growing up it was just kind of i didn't know who god was i didn't understand what god meant um when i would i i remember thinking when I was probably like 12 or 13, I was laying in bed. And for whatever reason, the whole aspect of God came to mind. And all I kept thinking of were like stars and planets, you know, like, and I was just like, oh, well, that's just weird. Um, and I remember, you know, asking my mom about God sometimes, and she would just be like, oh, that's only for weak people, yeah. you know? Um, so, I kind of grew up with that whole mocking kind of thing. And then when I got to like teenage years, it was, I was that, you know, kind of person that was like, I don't need God. And anybody that, you know, were Christians or professed to be Christians, I would want to debate with them. You know, I'd want to be like, okay, well, is God in this fork? Really? Is it? Is he? And, um, and, I, and and now, as a Christian, I look back on that, and I'm like, and I remember the faces 
that those people would make. Like more of a, oh, I'm so sorry kind of thing. Not like wanting to argue with me. You know, I'm all getting, you know, red in the face and let's talk about it. And they're just like, oh, you poor thing, you know. And looking back, I can see grace in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see accepting in that and almost grieving in that too. So, but yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that was my whole exposure really. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, so what did your like life look like? What typified your life before you became a Christian? What kind of things did you do? How did you feel about life? I did not feel life. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel peace, you know, um, before I became a Christian, I, and I will always remember this, but, um, the moment I became a Christian, I felt a lift. Like I felt this lift off of my shoulders, Mm -hmm. like finally, you know, and throughout my whole life before I became a Christian, I always felt like I needed to do something more. You know, I needed to, you know, change who I was or be something else or, um, you know, things like that so that I could be accepted or that somebody would love me, you know, or they would, they don't have to love me. They just need to like me, you know, um, before like a couple years before I became a Christian, I was in a very horrible relationship and, um, he used Christianity. So he would show me what the Bible was. You know, I would read the Bible, but I was told, you know, what to read, how to read, you know, those kinds of things, what to pray, how, you know, I knew the, the, um, you know, I, I, I knew things in the Bible. I knew Proverbs 31, like mm-hmm. nothing else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference. There's a huge difference between knowing God and just kind of reading, you know, the Bible just cause. Yeah. So I want to back up a second. Yeah. So he was using the Bible at that point. When did you then become exposed to the Bible? Like, was was he a guy who was saying, I believe the Bible, so you do too? Um, what circumstances kind of were before that point? Sure. Even? So I was about 19, and I was, my life was horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I grew up, like I was talking about, in a very neglectful kind of atmosphere. You know, I was the one taking care of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, very drugs, alcohol, anything that you can think of pretty much happened in my childhood. And um, I, I was working at a law office at the time, and this guy just kept bothering me. And I was this, you know, non-Christian, I can do whatever I want, woman, you know, hear, you know, I would always think I'm woman, hear me roar kind of thing. And he just pestered me. And finally, um, I decided to go on a date with him. And that was the end of it, you know. And, you know, he used sex at first. You know, he used compliments. He was my savior. You know, he took me from a bad horrible situation and he took care of me and then a couple months into our relationship he gave me kind of a outline of what he expected 
me to be in order to further our relationship. And it was called passion, which is really interesting. Um, it was P for physical, A for academic, S for social, um, S for spiritual, I for intellectual, O for, I want to, th- I forget, maybe it's, up, I forget what O is, and then N for noteworthy. And underneath every single one were criteria, you know, and under spiritual was go to church, um, read the Bible, be a Christian wife, Christian woman, be Proverbs 31, um, Bible journal and pray every day, every morning, every night. And this is somebody that I grew up not, I've never seen the Bible, let alone read it, you know? So, um, he asked me if I was going to make that commitment and I said, of course, because you, you know? wanted to be with him. Well, because he was taking care he was of taking me, care of you, you know, yeah. and Hey, he's good. I I'm grateful for him for giving me this opportunity, yeah. you know? So he bought me a King James Bible, uh-huh. had my highlighters started reading and I'm a fast reader. So I took in the Bible like any other book, uh-huh. you know, I would just read it. Yeah. And it would not come to my heart. I didn't understand half of it. I was just like, okay, whatever. But if he asks me something, I would know, you know, and he would quiz me, you know, he would quiz me on certain things. He would quiz me on, you know, what did you read? How did you read it? You know, those kinds of things. And, and, uh, we went to a Southern Baptist church and I, it's, it's a really funny, experience to me when I think of the experiences I had in that church. And there were some amazing people in that church. There were, they were, they were concerned. (laughs) They loved me. Um, but I was just so not in touch with God. I was so far away from God that I couldn't see it. And I didn't recognize grace and I didn't recognize, you know, empathy. I didn't recognize any of that stuff because I didn't know what it was. Mm. So, you know, uh, we got married, you know, at the church. And right before we got married, I had this group of church women, you know, Southern Baptists, you know, they brought food and, you know, they came um, to me and they were just like, you know, maybe you should live on your own for a while. And, and that like just changed everything in the sense of, I then had to back away from church because, you know, he had me back away. So he didn't like what they were saying. Right. Okay. So we pretty much then began to isolate ourselves. You know, we got married and then after we got married, everything changed. Um, The beating started, you know, abuse, um, just pure and simple horrible horribleness Mm. and uh we moved here to columbia to open up a law office and before that i was just like striving to be this christian woman and striving to be you know passion and you know all that stuff and it's that's the reason why i said earlier it's funny that it's passion because back then when i think of passion i thought of that you know and now when i think of passion i think of something completely different you know um, you're but, almost enslaved. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, by it, another person. Ve- I mean, he was my 
God. Yeah. You know, he was the person that, I mean, I would call him sir. I would never call him by his name. It was either Mr. McCray or sir. And um, when I started reading Peter and he wanted me to start doing exec, I would wash his feet every morning or every night. And I would, you know, I had lists on my walls of all the, you know, Titus 2, 3 and, and Proverbs and Ephesians and all of this about how to be the perfect Christian wife. Wow. Um, so the Bible taken out of context. Completely. No spirit-led Bible reading. It was just, I'm using these parts of the Bible to enslave you. In Definitely. Words. Yes. Wow. That's scary. Yeah. And, uh, he would, you know, he would always, when I would get emotional, you know, I was not allowed to cry. I was not allowed to show emotion except for, you know, whatever he wanted me to show kind of thing. And his favorite thing was always telling me, you know, Philippians 4, 8, Whatever things are good, whatever things are great, you know, just telling me, you know, you need to think on good things and you'll be positive then. And so I would think of, you know, good things. Well, I'm thankful for my life. You know, I'm thankful for being alive, you know, and because I grew up in a household where my mom constantly told me the only reason why I had you was to take care of me, you know, or you're just lucky I didn't abort you, you know, so having somebody who cared about my life, you know? And so I was in this mindset of, oh, he he must really care for me because he's actually wanting me to be good and wanting me, you know, to do all these things. But inside I was just numb. Mm -hmm. I was just dead. You know, I, I just was. And I was scared. Oh, I was so scared. And I didn't even know really because the pain, like physical pain, didn't hurt me anymore. You know, I was more afraid of that loneliness, wow. of not having something to do, you know. So we opened up a law office here and my life became that law office. And uh, he was his same, but I, I could take my energy into the law office, you know? So, and I was making him money, so he was fine with that. And um, it went on for about five years of just that kind of, you know, trying to strive to be, we never went to church here. I'd go to church a couple of times in different places. And um, anytime he thought I was being disobedient or something like that, he would want me to try to reach out and see if I could find a church. And then if I told him, I really liked this church. Nope. Couldn't go it. You know, so couldn't do it. He actually wants you to have a community because he was afraid what people would, yes. would do. Yes. Anytime I would talk about like a woman's, mm. you know, oh, I really like the, the women's ministry. Nope. Can't mm. do it. You know? So, uh, we just kind of isolated ourselves kind of thing. And, I just focused on on the business and um he when we first when this first started happening he was all about Christ in his you know in his mind and he would put himself as like the anointed one you know he would tell me about all these things that he got away with so God's got his back kind of thing mm. and then during our Columbia time things just started slowly kind of going away 
And, um, but, you know, for me, I had to keep up because I was his wife. So about seven years into our marriage, um, I don't know what happened, but man, God happened. Mm. And, uh, it, it just, it freaks me out still to this day because the whole reason why I got out of that situation was because of a concussion. Mm. And it was by God. It was by the grace of God. And, you know, I, I played softball and that was, there was only two things I was allowed to do, softball and paint. And he would time when I got to the fields, when I'd come back, I didn't have a, like a regular phone. I couldn't text message or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, one of those kids phones where it only had a couple numbers in there. So he would call, you know, try to see who, you know, decipher, you know, where I was. And of course I was scared to death. So I was playing softball September 14th. I remember that. And, um, got a really bad concussion going into home and, uh, nobody, nobody in my life knew about anything that was going on, you know, the abuse, nothing. And, uh, I don't remember what happened that day. I had, you know, I was out of it. But all of a sudden, my softball team was reaching, trying to reach out to me. They were like trying to reach out to the business because they didn't have my number. And um, they were just, I'm really concerned about you. Are you okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, concussion was fine. But the day after the concussion, I just remember him waking me up, telling me that I had to go into work still. And I was still really out of it. And we had to go pick up my car, went to work. Um, he had me work for a little bit and, uh, he left and he's like, you know, somebody, I had to keep waking somebody up. I'll never forget that. I'll just, I had to wake somebody up all night to make sure she wasn't dead. And, uh, I remember that hitting me like, okay, that didn't sound right. And he told me I had to pick up Burger King for him before we went, um, before I came back home. So I decided to go drive, get Burger King, and I don't know what happened. I blocked out. I did something. I don't know. I was on 63 somewhere, and I had no clue where I was. And the only phone number I had on my phone was him. And I called him, and I'm crying. I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. And he just starts yelling at me. I mean, probably nothing I haven't heard before. But that, like, I remember looking, I specifically remember just looking at the phone and thinking, that's my husband. That's not right, you know? And it was like something just, like, clicked in my heart. Like, no, that's that's not right. And I just hung up on him and got into the car and found my way home and that whole next month just was like, I was defiant. I didn't care, you know, nothing. And eventually, you know, the beatings and stuff still happened, but it was like, I didn't care. You know, it was literally to the point of, I just didn't care. And then one night I wake up, he's in my room and he's like, well, maybe we shouldn't be married. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Never would I have had the courage to ever say anything like that. And it just was like, okay, yeah, you know, and 
then for the next two years, yeah, two years, I was, I mean, I was horrible to myself after the divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, did anything and everything to hurt myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted, I really wanted to kill myself. Wow. Um, Because I didn't have anything anymore. So your savior was gone. Mm Mm-hmm. But you, you knew he wasn't good for you. Mm-hmm. And so you were all alone. That was all the worst fear that I had. Mm. You know, that look at me. You know, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm, you know, I'm stupid. You know, because his voice was still in mm. my head. And I didn't know what to do. You know, now I am truly worthless. Wow. You know, now I am. Now it's happened. You know, my worst fear. And uh, I had a friend. I mean, I was thinking of ways. You know, you're driving down the, the, the road and you see a bridge and you're like, what if you just go off? Mm. Nobody, would, nobody would miss you, mm. right? And that's constantly. I would think of if I go this way a- after work, maybe, you know. And I would just have the, but something always held me back. Something always was like... No, you know, and it was always something even throughout my whole marriage that was always there, but I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. And then I had a friend, um, she's a psychologist and she's like, Hey, I'm going to this grace encounter thing. Do you want to go? And me, if, if anybody asked me to go anywhere, oh yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll make it work. I'll do, you know, you, you want me to go do something? I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I'm that pleaser. And I didn't know anything about Grace Encounter. I didn't know what, I don't know. I thought maybe it was like just a, you know, book thing or whatever. And got there and man, it, it changed my life. Wow. And, uh, I remember walking into we you go into this room and they're all strangers. And that was the safest I've ever felt in my whole life. And I don't know why. I still to this day I mean I know why, but I don't know. And a month later after going through parts of the Grace Encounter experience, um we were listening to a song and we're supposed to close our eyes and and I'm just standing there and I just hear like I just hear literally hear God like stomping his foot and saying it's time it's time and I you know we have specific rules and grace encounter and I couldn't move and I open my eyes and everybody's eyes are closed and I'm just like I I don't know what I need to do, but I need to do something. And I remember going up to Bill, one of the leaders, after the song finally ended. And I'm just like, I'm crying and I'm shaking. And I'm like, I got to I gotta do this. And he's just like, what? What do you got to do? And I'm like, I, I got to give myself to him. I have to. Like, it's time. It's time. And put me in a corner, you know, put me off to the corner and they just went through the whole thing with me. And, and what was the whole thing? The whole thing was just, why? Why? What are you wanting to do? Why are you wanting to do it? Do you understand what this means? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, just going through and then praying, you know, um, 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this earth as it is in, t- in the heaven. And just afterwards, just feeling very free, like lifted and just like, yeah, yeah, it's happened. So that was a moment in time where you connected and was like, accepting God's grace for you mm-hmm. pretty much. I still didn't understand okay. the grace. I still didn't understand what it meant. Um, I just now knew who he was. So you knew he was real. Mm-hmm. You knew he loved you. Mm-hmm. And you knew he could save you. Yes. And that he forgives me. And that he forgives you. Okay. And that he cherishes me. Mm. That I am his cherished, courageous, and adorable daughter. Yeah. You know, and that nothing in this world, my past, my future, nothing will ever change that. Yeah. That that's how he created me to be. Right. You know, and even if I do, you know, mess up, and I will, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm still his. Yeah. And no matter what I do in this world and, and like, he's right beside me. He's not in front of me. He's not behind me. He's literally right beside me mm-hmm. going through life with me. And he had been the whole time. Yeah. You know, I, I remember one of the times where it was after a really bad beating. And I mean, it was really bad. And, you know, after when, when I can move, I have to go at the table and read my Bible and Bible was open and I just wanted to cry, but I couldn't, you know, and I remember like a hand on my shoulder and that reminds me that even if my whole life, I mean, there are things that happened in my childhood that I know he was there, you know, because now I, I recognize it before you would think, Oh, it's paranormal or it's this, or you make an excuse for it, you know, but I remember when I was seven years old, you know, having just this presence of it's going to be okay. You know, I'm here. It's going to be fine. And this, like everybody always asks me when they find out about my, my childhood or I open up about my childhood or even my family, they're just like, how? Like, how, how are you who you are today? Right. Like, I saw you grow up. <laughs> like, I saw what you went through. How? Yeah. And the only thing I can say is God. Yeah. You know? He sustained you. Yeah, he, he was literally my refuge. Mm. Like, even if, I mean, the things I used to say about him, the things I used to mock and call him and rebuke him, Mm. you know, I mean, wow, to know that he truly was my father through that all because as I was throwing stones at him and 
turning my back on him. He was just patiently waiting and taking care of me even though I wasn't asking. I didn't want him to. You know, there were times where I literally wanted to die. Like, literally wanted to die. And he refused to let it happen. Like, he would put something on my heart or in my mind or something that would just hold it back, yeah. you know? And that's the reason why anybody that asked, like, my family, they still, they don't believe in God. And they still don't understand it. And they will continually ask me, like, how, why, you know? And God. And they do what they always do. Okay, whatever. You right. know, the like, answer doesn't okay. Work for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. they're just kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, well, you asked. Yeah. So I answered. Yeah. You know? Wow. So what um, now would you say you're able to be on your own? I mean, you're married now, but mm-hmm. do you feel like alone anymore? I think you always have, or I always have bouts of loneliness, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think especially when you have trauma and you have things that have happened to you in the past, it's really, and you're like, we're still living of this world, mm-hmm. you know, there's still suffering, mm-hmm. there's still things that happen. So yes, do I sometimes feel lonely? Do I sometimes have those bouts of depression or anxiety? Yes. Especially when my PTSD happens. And, but the difference is I know now what my foundation is before I had no foundation before, if I felt despair or if I felt lonely, there was no end. You know, I'd look down and it was just a black tunnel. Yeah. You know, of just nothingness. Right. I mean, when you look in the Psalms and you read the Psalms, David was in those depressed moments. And he didn't have a pit of despair. Right. He called out to God. And he had God to um, redeem him and rescue him from that and in that. Yeah. So would you say that's kind of what you're, that sounds like what you're experiencing and the difference between the two. Definitely, because that's the first thing that I turn to, mm-hmm. you know, instead of turning to what ifs or I wish things were different or this, I turn to him. Yeah. You know, what What am I needing? You know, what What do you need to show me? Yeah. You know, or it's just sometimes I just want to have time with my dad, yeah. you know, of with my daddy, mm-hmm. my daddy God, you know, like sometimes you just have to have that quiet time of appreciation. You know, it's not even asking him for anything. It's more of just bringing back the feelings of knowing that he's there, you know? And when I feel lonely and when I feel, you know, my ups and downs and and whatever, that's the first thing that goes through my mind is, okay, I'm going to turn to you. You know, instead of 
I mean, my husband, he's, he's an amazing man. You know, he, he would, he is a rock. He's not my only rock. You know, he, my bigger rock is God. And, but I know if I needed to turn to him, he'd be there. But there is a difference between, you know, turning to God and, and leaning on others. Yeah. You know, and that burden that, not only I put on others, but that expectation in myself and for others that only God can provide. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want my husband to have that burden of feeling a void that only God can fill. Yeah. And we can try. Yeah. You know, yeah. it won't work. Right. We've tried it, believe me, but it won't work. Yeah. You know, so, and that's just through times of continually feeling that isolation or, you know, unworthiness and just being like, that doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. But my tried and true is always God, yeah. you know? Okay. So. Wow. Um, I'd love for you to finish um, for any listeners that have resonated with your story. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything that you would share with them um oh my <laughs> just god's grace abounds even when you think there is nothing left for you even when you think there is nothing for you that the nothingness happens and believe me probably a lot of people understand what i'm saying his grace abounds you know his grace is deep and it fills you up if you just turn to him and stay focused on him and just like i was saying don't try to fill a void with things of this world turn to him you know isaiah talks about you know how his grace is mm -hmm. and that's so that is my foundation of knowing that his grace never ends that doesn't give me an excuse to do whatever i want but that gives me that comfort of knowing he's never gonna leave mm -hmm. and he loves all of us and he shows that time and time again. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Wow. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story. That is deep and heart wrenching, <laughs> um, but very beautiful. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. After this interview, I praised God for bringing Stephanie out of such horrible pits of despair. Her chains were real tangible as she was enslaved to a husband who took the words of the Bible out of context. I cannot imagine, but I know God sees many people trapped in such horrible relationships. I pray that if any listeners are in such a place, that God sets them free from those relationships and also shows them his deep love through Jesus Christ for eternal freedom. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to follow and not miss an episode is to subscribe. 